There's so many factors that go into it that, I mean, even predicting it, you know what I mean? Or giving someone advice on an area or, you know, a style of hunting. I really feel like it comes down to just years and years of, you know, boots on the ground, just knowledge and learning. I feel like more, the more and more I hunt, after the fact, when you are successful or when you have that opportunity, those little moments replay back in my head more and more and I'm just like, man, if we wouldn't have made that decision, none of this would have happened. Or mm -hmm. if we wouldn't have pushed over to that next canyon, we would have missed four hours of chasing screaming bulls because we couldn't hear them from this canyon. There's a lot of just solid online resources for, you know, for shooting and for getting your equipment right, especially with bow hunting. You've got to teach yourself on the way you were holding them on the ball, on the way you followed through with your hand. I was like, you got to be a robot. And I was like, you got to do the same thing every time. And even if, even if you're doing something that, you know, isn't how someone else would do it, if you are doing the same thing every time, you will get the same result. It is crazy how something, you know, that you would swear on, you know what I mean? That has worked for you a hundred yep. times and then it fails once and your, your mental, your mental game, it just throws it off. Hey guys, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast. I want to take a minute to introduce you to a new organization called Howl for Wildlife. Howl was grown out of the necessity to have a fast acting tool to focus the sportsman's voice on issues concerning wildlife management and hunting. It's Howell's goal to shut down any initiative that doesn't support sound management practices before it even makes it to the ballot, and certainly before it reaches the court. I know I sound like a broken record, but we need to start looking at hunting as a community and not just an individual sport. And that means supporting all hunting, whether we engage in duck hunting or predator hunting or anything in between. We are all in this for different reasons. And unfortunately, it's this difference that will be on our undoing if we let it. So we need to come together as one pack and let our diversity be our strength. We are a strong force if we band together, one voice, one howl. I want you to go to howlforwildlife.org, that's H-O-W-L for wildlife.org, and join there. There's no cost to you to becoming a member. How operates solely on donations, so it's completely up to you if you decide you want to send money or not. There will be no annoying emails, no newsletter advertisements, or money grabs, or anything like that. No drives. Signing up as a member just means that when there's an issue concerning wildlife management like this attempt on banning mountain lion hunting and bear hunting in Arizona, you will be called to stand with us and let your voice be heard. So get out there. Get on Howlful Wildlife, become a member, and join the pack. Thank you. Let's jump into this episode. Hi, welcome to Days of the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, uh, we're going to catch up with uh, Dallas Haymayer. And uh, I don't really know very many guys that go all the places that this guy goes so <laughs> you know hopefully he's got some good stories for us and uh we'll uh we'll might pick them apart and see if uh there's uh, any teaching points in there and uh and go from there what's going on man not a lot thank you for uh thank you 
for having me on. It'll be a, it'll be good to catch up. It's been a minute. Yeah, no, geez. I think the last time I had you on the podcast was shit, man. That was like 2015 or something like that or 16 when, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was 16. It was on my, after my second Ibex hunt because you had gone with, uh, Devin, right? Yeah, with Devin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, Crazy. Uh, yeah. D- definitely a lot has happened since then. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've been busy, man. <laughs> You've been yeah, busy. it's been crazy. Yeah, no, it's every time I see you're like in a different country or uh, hunting some crazy exotic, and then then you're back over here and you chasing elk and yeah, yeah. This year was actually the first time I've really been around hunting in the states. I would say for probably the last five years, I've usually always got. I usually do two twenty-one day safaris and. Tanzania every year that I'm filming and the one is usually always in August so that really I mean that August into September really cuts into you know pretty much all the hunts out west so it was uh it was nice being around this year and having some time time to go chase elk which I did about actually I think I did like 30 days straight pretty much from September 1st on i was hunting elk so that was that was fun i've really i've really missed that i would i would love I, it's kind of like it been a dream of mine and i, I should have did it when i was younger and i didn't have the responsibilities that i have now but it was a dream of mine for a long time to go to like three or four different states and hunt elk from like you know the first week or so into October, you know, yeah. spend like a whole month and, uh, and pretty much just chase the run around. I've always wanted mm-hmm. to do that. Never had the opportunity yeah. to. Yeah. And it was, uh, it kind of, it was crazy. It kind of all just fell into place this year. I'm always gone. And so i I mean, I usually have opportunities every year, you know, to go film elk hunts, but right. when that safari got canceled, yeah, we started out hunting, you know, cows and spikes here in Utah. And then I had some buddies from Texas buy, you know, four landowner tags here in Utah. And so I went and chased elk with them. And we had, I mean, it's crazy how, it's crazy how things can change even in the same state. I mean, I was probably only, you know, a couple hours from where I was initially hunting when I was hunting with them. And just you know how the animal how the animal habits you know based on the weather and just in different areas of the state how things can be so polar opposite you know only a few hours apart mm-hmm. and we really struggled on that elk hunt just no talking you know very little movement everything seemed to be moving at night you know they'd light up at night and then you know the very next week i had the opportunity to go hunt on the other side of the state, more in Northern Utah with, uh, John Dudley. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, a completely, you know, completely different experience, you know, yeah. bulls were, bulls were lighting up and yeah. So I see that, that all cool. the time. Then, I see that all yeah. the time. Actually, I see that here in Arizona a lot with the deer rut. Yeah. We, yeah. It's like, I have different weeks where I want to be in different parts of the state. Cause I know it's going to be, you know, better. And I feel with that, it really is. Cause I mean, talking to someone about that, who's just getting into it, 
I feel like they can experience one thing and then almost that becomes, you know, that's all they know, or it becomes an expectation. Right. And then the next year they can have a totally different experience and it throws them off the game. There's, (laughs) there's so many factors that go into it that, I mean, even predicting it, you know what I mean? Or giving someone advice on an area or, you know, a style of hunting. I really feel like it, comes down to just years and years of you know boots on the ground just knowledge and learning i mean you can always you can definitely learn from other people but there's a lot of stuff that you know that's that's why that's why it's hunting (laughs) yeah every year every year it's different well i mean there's like people have been trying to predict the rut like if you look at the whitetail rut for instance come on i mean there's like books and books and books really not a, and then yeah it, it i mean the rut is always the rut it's just the amount of activity that changes yeah the yeah. rut you know the mother nature doesn't let weather dictate doesn't you know it, it, it's mo- most of especially deer it's pho- photoperiodism is what it's called. Basically, it's the shortening of days that spikes, you know, that's, uh, excuse me, starts the rut. And that, that goes for elk, goes for deer, mule deer, whitetail, whatever. And, but it's the, it's the conditions and the weather is what dictates the amount of activity. And people are always like, oh, the rut sucks this year. Well, it probably you're just not experiencing the intensity that you normally, but it, the rut's still going on, you know? Yeah. It's still happening. It's still happening. Just yeah. not. And in, it might be happening you know? at nighttime or whatever it is, you know, but yeah. 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 I, I, I've had that conversation with people many, many times. And, um, yeah. It's, it, when you know the rut is always going to happen about the same dates within the, you know, a certain, it's usually latitude, you know? So, so, uh, you know, I had you on today. I wanted to see if you could share with us, uh, a couple of stories, maybe one that kind of changed the way, the way you hunt, or maybe you learn something about a species or that kind of changed the way you hunt them now, or, you know, something along those lines. I think it would probably be probably the elk hunting this past year is really when I, I really feel like I learned a lot in September just for the amount of days I put in. And really the thing that I, I feel like that stands out, you know, I'm when I'm filming, I'm not always with outfitters, but, you know, most of the time I'm with outfitters. And I would say, you know, one of the things that really sets people apart from getting the job done you know, the difference between getting the job done and not getting the job done is just grinding it out. I feel like there's so many little times when, you know, shortcuts can be taken or, you know, you can, you can let your, you can let your spirits get down. Mm -hmm. And those people, those people that have the mental toughness to push just a little bit farther or to push to that next Canyon or, to not, you know, go back to go back to camp for lunch or to not, you know, 
oh let's let's start out in this closer canyon you know we can sleep we can sleep another 30 minutes in the morning you know mm-hmm. let's let's get up at 3 30 in the morning or all right we want to go you know in africa we want to go sit this we got you know three different cats you know hitting baits so we can go hunt you know if we go hunt this one you know we can we got to get up at five in the morning but that cat, you know, the further cat, I mean, he's a bigger cat. If we want to get to that blind, we got to leave at 3.30 in the morning. So we got to, you know, we got to be getting up at 3 a.m. And I, just those little extra times that always, hindsight's always 20-20. But I feel like more, the more and more I hunt, after the fact, when you are successful or when you have that opportunity, those little moments replay back in my head more and more. And I'm just like, man, if we wouldn't have made that decision, like none of this would have happened. Or Mm -hmm. if we wouldn't have pushed, if we wouldn't have pushed over to that next Canyon, we would have missed four hours of chasing screaming bulls because we couldn't hear them from this Canyon. Right. But it was that little bit more, all the, you know, all the little things that you do and all the, the little bits of effort that you put in, I feel like add up in a big way at the end. And I feel like with all the people that, you know, definitely this year for sure, with all the people that I've hunted with, the people that consciously, continuously put in 110% at the end, you know, looking back on the big picture, you see all the little things that they do that added up and built up to that moment that is the reason we were successful. I I agree with you. And it really, and I mean, it was from, I mean, from everything, I mean, fishing trips I went on to bow hunting trips to international rifle trips to Africa. I mean, Western elk hunting. I mean, I think you can apply that to, to every aspect of life. Every aspect of life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I realized that many, many years ago. I'm not an, in, I was actually having this conversation with my daughter last night. I'm not an inherently talented person. Like I, I am not, was not born with any real gifts, but I'm one of those guys that I'm, above average if not good at just about everything and it's because and i was trying to explain this to my daughter i'm like you see daddy right like you see me out there you see me constantly practicing with the bow you constantly see me doing this you constantly see me doing that right it's because i gotta work i gotta work at everything because if i want to be good or decent or whatever it is at anything i gotta work at it and you know, I, there's nothing that just says, you know, that I'm just good at. I, I'm not. I'm a, you know, a jack of all trades, but a master of none, you know, and I. I, I feel the same way. You know, and I, and I look at my seasons and I look at, and it's always, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's always those hunts that I put forth that extra, you know, little bit that things usually translate into, into success. And actually, yes. I can, and I, I can I can look at it the other way too. I can look at it with the other lens. Like, how many times do you see like a buck or something bedded across the canyon, and you're like, 
I could go this way and I can cut, you know, I can sneak underneath him and blah, blah, blah. But in your head, you know, you know, you should go freaking two miles around this freaking guy, go all the way, way out of sight and then, you know, and come back to him because that, that would be the smartest, most low impact, you know, move you can come up with, but you don't do it because you're like, oh, I can, I could do it this way also, you know? And you know in your heart of hearts that you're making the freaking wrong decision. And it usually blows up mm-hmm. on you. And, yep. you know, it's like, okay, then you just wasted whatever effort you put towards that for nothing. And if you would have put forth a little bit more effort, you would have got something, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I catch myself doing that time to time. like, And I know it too. And I know it's, damn, I know I should be doing I should really go way out of the way. So... You know, and and I and I don't, and then those are always the ones that blow up on me right away. Yep. Yeah, I just, I definitely am a big believer in, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. I mean, with everything, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I've been very, I've been very lucky to, you know, for the last, I don't even know how long it's been now. I think I've been filming hunts full time for probably, probably eight years or so now. Yeah, it's been a bit. And you know, I'm by no means the best videographer, photographer, you know, I could tell you in the hunting industry, I could name 50 guys that I, you know, I look up to and I think are light years better than me. And, you know, some of those guys, some of those guys even, you know, contact me, you know, you know, looking for work or, you know, wondering how I'd go about this or, and whatnot. But going back to it, I would really, you know, I would say, how I got to where I am is just, I was passionate about it and I absolutely love hunting more than anything. And I was trying to figure out a way, you know, what a way to do it more. And, uh, when I got a camera in my hand, I just fell in, I just fell in love with it. And I feel like I just outworked a lot of people and worked to put myself in a, in positions to, you know, meet new clients. And for those clients, you know, I'd give it 150% every time. And I think clients saw that and then we built relationships and then those relationships expanded and I got introduced to new clients and new friends and new outfitters. And then mm-hmm. it's kind of just taken a path on its own. And, you know, I would say by no means am I the best out there, but you know, I feel I put in more effort. Definitely at the beginning, you know, my, the work I put in for it, you know, was better than the product that I was putting out. And, you know, over time, you know, it just gave me a lot of opportunities and put me in positions to learn and grow and get better and meet new clients. And here we are, yeah. you know, eight years, eight, 10 years later, and I'm still getting to, you know, travel around the world doing what I love. Yeah. No, seeing that and that's huge. Like you know, going back to that same scenario of looking through it with the other lens, like I I could always I could look back at all these all the seasons, you know, throughout the years and I could tell you the seasons that I did not have the same level of success that I I am used to are all the same seasons that I didn't put forth the same effort in my preseason prep in working out or 
training or shooting or, you know, developing a relationship with my equipment, you know, that people don't, you know, don't think about that stuff, but that is all, it all translates. And I've always told people you have to, there's so many things about hunting that you can't control. So you got to try to control all the things that you can. And when you're doing that, you're putting forth a lot of effort. You're putting forth a lot of little extra, you know, nuance type stuff that eventually translate into success. I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm sure there's even, I mean, I'm sure in our personal stuff, you could go back and almost create an equation for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you added up all the days that you've went to the range and shot your bow and all the days that you spent on Google earth scouting and all the days you put in the field scouting and all the days you put in during the season hunting Mm -hmm. and you added all those things up together and on the years you were successful and on the years you were unsuccessful. And I'm sure that, I mean, definitely there's always, I mean, if, if you do it enough, there's times you definitely, you know, get lucky and a situation falls into your lap. Mm -hmm. But for the people, you know, for the guys that are out there, because we all know guys who are just, they're just consistent every single year, you know, they're punching tags. It almost, it almost doesn't matter what tag they have. They're right. going to fill it or they're, they'll have a chance to fill it. And those guys, it's not by, you know, it's not by chance. Those are the guys that behind the scenes. Working way harder doing, than you and uh, me. <laughs> they are doing a lot more than you could ever imagine for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I, I could, I, as you were saying, I can think of one guy right off the top of my head, Marlon Holden. I mean, the guy, he doesn't get a tag that pretty much he, he doesn't fill. But yeah, yeah. he lives and breathes and sleeps freaking mule deer all the time. Like that's all he thinks about. That's all he, you know, he does pretty much. And he yep. spends a lot, a lot, a lot of time perfecting what he does. And it translates, you know. I can think I can think of, you know, ten other people, the same thing. Like everybody that I know that is super successful. They have a formula that they put forth and it's it's not, you know, hey, let me learn how to do this once and it's no, it's constant, constant, constant. Exactly. You don't yeah, realize. He's one of them. Another, another guy in Utah, James Yates. Okay. Yeah, I know. You know the name. He's, he's, all, he's, he's all over the place. Every, every year he is tagging. Oh, he's tagging a stud in Utah and, you know, then he's going traveling out to other states in the West. And I I think I just saw him down in the desert in Arizona. You know what I mean? Not even, you know, not even his home state giant over the counter buck just puts in the, puts in the time every year, puts in, you know, every day you can, you know, if you get on his Instagram every day, you can see him at the range shooting his bow, you know, seven days a week. He doesn't miss and oh yeah it shows it shows in the results i i and there was many years that i made up for my lack of you know not having the time to spend in the field but i made up for it with my ability to shoot because i spent a lot of time so i knew that if i got an opportunity i was going to be able to capitalize on it you know, there's there's a lot of different ways to go about it. You can create a lot of opportunities, you know, and eventually one's going to work out for you, or 
you could be really dialed in and you know create that one opportunity and that one opportunity comes presents itself and you can you know you could capitalize on it um yep. and, and, and yeah and on the flip side I, I again going back to many times where I can remember where I didn't I wasn't able to capitalize on the uh, opportunity because I wasn't as well you know prepared for it I, you, see, you know we were talking about ibex on earlier 2015 when I had the first tag I was so prepared for that hunt like I practiced ridiculous. I put myself in every scenario that I could th- possibly come up with in my head that I would be faced yep. with over there, right? And mm-hmm. in 2016, I got the tag again. I drew it back to back years, and I went out That's there. So wild, yeah. And I still have, I haven't drawn it since, and it took me ten years to draw it the first time, but. The yeah, beauty I, of New Mexico, right, New and, Mexico the, and the curse. I swear, man. <laughs> I haven't had an elk tag in New Mexico since, oh my God, I think 2000 and, I think 2009. <laughs> I th- yeah. I th- I've long. tried so many times. I'm like, I'm, I'm almost, I'm always giving up on that state. But um, yeah. Yeah. No, actually it was not even 2009. It was 2005. It was 2005 because <laughs> it was 10 years after it was nine years after, I'm sorry, nine years after I got my my last elk tag that I drew the object. Pushing, t- pushing 20 years. Yeah. Not freaking crazy? That's crazy. Anyway. That is crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 so in 2016 when I had it, I didn't practice at all. At all. But I was, my, my hunting game was better. Like I created a, more opportunities for myself. Plus, I, I knew the mountain better. I knew that I knew how to hunt them better. You know all that other stuff. I created mm-hmm. so many opportunities, but I missed three freaking times. You yeah. know, like that's that sucks. You know, to have that that opportunity path, and it, it all all I had to do was you know practice, and I didn't. And you know, I could have shot an ibex back to back years, and I didn't. I had Ibex under 50 yards probably six or seven times on that on that 2016 hunt. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is not. It is. And those are not easy opportunities to come by. No. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that place is ridiculous. But and it's just, it had I put forth the effort in the off season coming up, leading up to it, I would have... Uh, you know, I, I think I would have capitalized. I don't. I don't see why I wouldn't have, but I didn't. So <laughs> I went home and yep. empty-handed. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Always, but but in the end, yeah, you can always, you can definitely always look back, and it's much easier to you know pick things apart. But I think it's just a general rule. You know, there's times when you realize. You know, this place, maybe the unit you draw is in another state. And so, you know, you know, you're not going to be able to put in, you know, the man hours that you'd like, you know, before the hunt. So you need to compensate for those kind of things, which compensating could be, you know, doing your research, you know, online, scouring over Google Earth, looking at, you know, all right, where's the, you know, where are my glassing points when I do get there? to where I can cover the most country. Where's, you know, where's the sun coming up? Where's, where am I going to have, you know, the most time, where are these animals, you know, where do I think they're going to bed compensating on that part, you know, compensating on your shooting, compensating on, you know, gear prep. 
Whereas other times, you know, it may be a place right in your backyard to where, you know, you're going to be able to scout, you know, you know, you're going to have the time to be able to time, you have the time to put into that unit and, you know, looking for animals and days out during the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a time where you realize you could do some improvement on your shooting, whether that's, you know, obviously more time on the range. But I think even another thing as well is, you know, I think a lot of, there's a lot of just solid online resources for, you know, for shooting and for getting your equipment right, especially with bow hunting. Cause I saw some situations this year where, you know, everything was right. We got in, you know, we got into the elk, we got, we, you know, we called them in close, we got the shot, but you know, a severely out of tune bow and combined, you know, just made for some on a 25 yard shot, just no penetration, which, you know, was, it was, I mean, you can see the arrow, you know, slapping at a 45 degree angle when it hits to where just things, just things like that, that, you know, that people overlook, I think that make a a big difference. I remember, I remember watching some of the, you know, arrow and broadhead penetration testing you were doing Mm -hmm. and you know, just cause there's a lot, there's a big difference between hitting a foam target and driving an arrow through an animal. Oh yeah. And I think that, I think that's a one major thing that I really focused on a lot more this year is making sure your arrow is coming out of the bow. Perfect. And perfect with a field point is completely different than perfect with you know screwing on a broad edge two weeks before the hunt yeah absolutely no i'm i feel if i don't have all that stuff straight my confidence level is so low that i'm almost setting myself up for failure exactly i mean there's so much going on in the moment anyways that i'm a i'm a mess as it is if i'm worried about my equipment like performing or failing that's yeah i'm i've doomed myself from the start like that stuff all needs to be flawless i'm i'm so almost a head case when it comes to that stuff yeah oh yeah no i feel you i definitely feel like i stepped up my game this year on just my equipment you know being an equipment nazi and just making sure making sure everything was perfect you know, or as perfect as it could be to the best of my abilities, but taking that to the next level, because again, those are the little things that in the end make all the difference. Mm-hmm. There, and honestly, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit. There's something to be said about confidence too. Like when you have, when you build, and I said this earlier, when you build a relationship with your equipment, Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But when you build this relationship in this, like, you know, for instance, there was there was a time. So I've been shooting for Matthew since 2001. So I've gotten a yep. new, new bow every year for the last 20 years. But there was a there was a time that I would hold on to the bow and I would only hunt with that bow for three, four years, even though I got a new bow. And I would use a new bow for whatever 3ds and 
you know, stuff yeah. like that. And, and I would use the new bow and I'd like the new bow, but there's a, there was a confidence level. There was a, there was a relationship that I built with that bow, right? That I knew translated into success. And a hundred percent. I, yeah, I just had this conversation with some people as well. You know, I, I think we've, I've changed I think we've that all since, had a like, bow. Oh yeah. We've all had that bow that just like, you know, you have success with it and you're just like, this yeah, is the bow, yes. right? Yeah. You know, I mean, you have it for a few years and then you sell it and then you start struggling and you're like, why did I get rid of that bow? Like yep. anytime I picked that bow up, I, it was just an extension of my arm. Like right. I knew, I knew exactly where that arrow was going. I, t- I just sold my helium out of Matthew's helium. And I couldn't let the, I hadn't hunted with it for years. Actually, matter of fact, the last <laughs> animal that I killed with was that, was that Ibex. That happened to be one of those bows where yep. I think it was like oh, three yeah. or four years old already by the time I had that Ibex hunt. Right. And, mm-hmm. but I knew one, I wanted my, cause it was super light. I knew I was going to be packing all over that damn mountain. But, um, I just had a really good relationship with that bow. Like we're best friends, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. Um, no, that's a really, I, I like how you put that. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever, well, necessarily thought of it in that way, but it's true. I mean, that's your baby, you know, yeah. like, you know, everything about that bow, how it works, how, how it feels when you draw it back, how, how to tune it when something's off, how to fix it. I mean, that bow should, yeah. you know, that bow, that rifle, I mean, anything should just be an extension of you. Well, think about it. So the the thing about bow hunting is the bow is a machine and technically it should do the same thing every single time, right? And, yes. you know, you're dealing with a string that technically stretches every time you shoot it. So, you know, there's minute, like microscopic changes every time you shoot it, but... Yeah. For the most part, it's a machine. It's going to do the exact same thing every time. So you have to be a machine also. And if you're constantly, as a human being, changing components up, then your mechanics, it's impossible for you to be the same consistency. So it makes sense that using the same bow year after year or whatever, or having you know, the same components. Actually, what I've done, because I got... I sort of got in trouble with Matthews years ago when I was doing that. And now I use the new bow every year for hunting is I try to keep all my things that I keep. I use the same kisser button. I use the same string loop, the same release, the same arrows, the same sight, the same, you know, like I've always tried to keep everything is like, you know, consistent, consistent, consistent so that, yeah, the bow changed and yeah, there's going to be a little different draw cycle, whatever. You know, yada, 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 different speed, different whatever. But all the components, like the stuff that I'm looking through, the stuff that I'm feeling and touching, I, I try to keep all that stuff as consistent as possible so that my learning curve to building a relationship with that, with that weapon is a lot shorter. I don't have to spend every day, you know, shoot 50 arrows every day for the whole off season to, to get to that point. Nope. Makes, it makes, it makes perfect sense. The feel, you know, the feel you're releasing your hand isn't changing, you know, the grip on your bow, you know, a lot of times you can keep that the same. Your sight picture is the same, you know, your, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Consistency kills consistently. Consistency kills. I was telling my, you know, my son, the same thing. We were shooting free throws the other night and I told him, I was like, you just, I was like, did you feel how that shot felt? I was like, you just gotta, you gotta be a robot. Mm-hmm. I said, what you just did, that was the mechanics of a perfect shot. I was like, you've got to teach yourself on the way you were, the way you were holding them on the ball, on the way you followed through with your hand. I was like, you got to be a robot. Yep. And I was like, you got to do the same thing every time. And even if, even if you're doing something that, you know, isn't how someone else would do it. If you are doing the same thing every time, you will get the same result. Right. Exactly. And so, yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying and keeping as much as you possibly can consistent, which is making the transition a consistent transition for you every year. Right. To get back in, to get back into that flow state to where you're comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to do, but it's very doable and you're going to, you're going to build a confidence that, that, uh, is going to translate to success really. I mean, and I'm glad you said that because that's actually something I need to work on. I love, I love gear and I love tinkering with things, but there's definitely every time you start changing stuff you've got a new you've got a new learning curve to build on and Mm -hmm. there's definitely every year there's times when i ask myself i'm like why did you do that like that was that was fully an unnecessary you know right change change that needed to be made which just set you back a week or two to where now you've got to build back up more more than likely you made the change more than likely you made the change because there you didn't have a favorable outcome exactly and you needed something. You needed something to blame, and you needed to fix the problem by fixing something. I, I've told this story a hundred times on this freaking podcast. Like years ago, I was teaching one of my cousins how to shoot compound bow, and and uh, man, he would come out. He would shoot like freaking lights out, feathers, you know, all the fletching, touching, and then. Out of nowhere, he'd shoot again, and the freaking group was all over the place. And I was like, oh, here, give me your bow real quick. And I make it look like I was adjusting something on the side or the rest or whatever. Here, try this. And then I would say, okay, make sure you follow through. Make sure you know, and just talk him through his teaching point, his, his mechanics or his uh, you know, shot process or whatever. Yeah. And then he'd shoot lights out again. And it, and he'd be like, oh, cool, man, you fixed it. So in his head, he like, you know, didn't you don't make the connection. Unfortunately for me, I kind of know I know this already. It's really hard to do it to yourself, right? But yeah, it, like every time I've had a failure, so I went like down this rabbit hole of like testing broadheads and figuring out how to you know build better arrows and this and that, all this, all these things that I've did in the last few years were because I had two years of sh- – by other people's standards, they would have been like, oh, it was a great year. But for me, I wounded some animals. I had some – I didn't have the same success rate that I had, and it was just weighing on me terribly. Yep. And I, mm-hmm. needed, I needed to fix that. And 
I also had some good shots. This was the, r- the real reason why I went down the arrow thing was I had some good shots, like they were in a good spot, but I didn't retrieve the animal. And yeah. I, was, I was like, I got to fix this. I can't. I can't. And it, it's so funny how one bad event erased seven years. Like, so I'm talking about a specific broadhead right now. So I was shooting Schwacker for like seven or eight years, or 11 years, I think it actually was. And I mm-hmm. had like one or two bad seasons. And all of a sudden now, the broadhead that I had success with for that many seasons and just, you know, made even bad shots and recovered animals with it, right? And I was like, oh, it's got to be the broadhead. And I went down this rabbit hole and da 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 And I had, I had to go through all these processes to, to, to fix what was really, if I would have looked at it, John, it was just, it was either bad luck or a bad shot on your part, <laughs> you know? And yeah. It's just one of those things like, okay, the deer reacted a little weird or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. that's what happened, oh, yeah. you know? And yeah. so it, we do that. We do that as human beings. We, we spend a lot of time looking for blame, looking to blame something and looking to fix that, whatever that problem is. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad, like I'm, I've grown to, no, it's always, it's always, it's always good to, you know, yeah. constantly looking to improve you know right. what i mean yourself and you know what you're using to bring out the best in yourself but i agree it's it is it is crazy how something you know that you would swear on you know what i mean that has worked for you a hundred yeah. times and then it fails once and your your mental your mental game it's just throws it off mm-hmm. and it's just trying to break trying to break down those things and yeah, which I mean, only you. I mean, it's your. You know what I mean. The confidence is in your head, so you got to be confident in your head. But I totally, I totally understand what you're talking with. But yeah. something like that can set you back, you know, a long ways on, you know, on your progress and in getting your confidence back. Oh yeah. Depending on you know how you let it, how you let it affect, how you let it affect you. Of course. But you, you, you said it right there. I mean, it's how you let it affect you. You know, you got to, if you realize yeah. that and you know that, you know, you, you just got to, and, and you can, there's a number of different ways. Like for me, I always find that um, working it out of me, you know, working to, to get to achieve the next level some way, some way of whether that's through practice or through, you know, fitness or through, building a better arrow, whatever, but whatever it is, I usually know that if I put forth, and it goes back to our original conversation, put forth the effort that I will be able to get back to whatever, get back to or even over, you know, surpass the whatever level I was before, you know? 100%. Yeah. It's cool. Well, I think that was a pretty good conversation. I think people can pull a lot, a lot from that, and uh, hopefully look at their own hunting and and look at some of the things that they face. And hopefully, uh, we helped a couple people out there. I don't know. Maybe we confused yeah, a lot of people. I, mean, I don't know. But I mean, I definitely, I definitely gathered a few things from that. As not, you know, not letting 
it's hard with, I mean, the world we live in today, how many outside opinions and influences there are. Oh my God. And I think you gotta, I think you, you know, every now and then you got to sit down and just, well, more than every now and then you've got to evaluate, you know, yourself and what you're doing and what works, what works for you and be careful of how much you try and take in because yeah, I fall into this same category, you know what I mean? To where all of a sudden I find myself doing something or, you know, completely opposite to what has worked for me in the past. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's like, wait a second. It's like, why? I mean, there's probably a way to blend these to, you know, do something a better way, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was necessary to, you know, change, you know, whether that's, you know, your shooting form or yeah. you know, the equipment you're the equipment you're using or the style of hunting, you know what I mean, that works for you, but you think, you know, this other way could work better. So, you know, you switch everything, you know, the way you hunt. And, yeah. I mean, and, and along those lines, uh, the little cautionary thing, there's always a point of diminishing returns, right? Like if you're yeah. putting too, too much effort towards things that don't necessarily or, or are not necessarily going to translate into success, you know, mm-hmm. effort is great. And we, obviously we've been hitting home with that the whole time, but we need, you need to also look at where you're applying that effort to. A balanced, a balanced effort because, yes. you know, you could be, you could be the greatest shot in the world, but if you don't do any scouting before the hunt, it, I mean, it doesn't matter how good of a shot you are. If you can't get within, you know, within your effective range of an, of an animal. Yeah. So it's looking at, uh, I think it's evaluating, you know, where you could put in a little more effort, mm-hmm. where you could maybe take a little bit of that effort out. You know, when you know you've, you're where you need to be, your confidence and, putting a little bit of that time somewhere else that could balance things out and create a, you know, an overall better effort at the goal you're trying to achieve. For sure. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Like you know, what perfect example of that is, is fitness. Like I feel like sometimes people spend so much time, you know, getting in shape for a hunt, which is excellent and it's going to help you. But then you didn't spend any time shooting your bow and yep. <laughs> you know, like you could, you're, you're just going to be the most fit fit guy out there that misses, you know, it's like, yeah. it's it, going back to what you said, balanced, you know, a balanced effort trying to figure out this is important. This is important. This is important. How much effort do I have to need? I need to put to these things, you know? Yeah. So hundred percent. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, Always looking forward to seeing the crazy adventures you get to go on, man. No worries. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. We'll have to, we'll have to do it again, and I'll uh, pick a few of my favorite stories from the last little while because there's a number of them that I think would be pretty interesting. <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.